Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. And please also consider making a small donation on my Patreon page so that I can continue to bring you amazing content so that we can all create a better future. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on to the show. Hi, everyone. It is Sasha Calavoti here with another episode of the Sovereign Collective podcast, where we give you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. And today, we are definitely going to be giving you information for your self-empowerment. I have Dr. Bear Lando in the house or across the screen. Um, Dr. Bear Lando of alphavedic.com, alpha with an F. V-E-D-I-C Vedic.com. If you haven't checked out that site, please do. You're not doing yourself any favors by not going there. So please do. So we're going to be getting into all sorts of interesting information today. And before we start talking with Dr. Bear Lando, we're going to talk a little bit about his past and his history and his education, because it is diverse. It is varied. You've got some all sorts of things going on. You're a prior paramedic and firefighter and avid athlete and high performance athlete and football and surfing and martial arts. And you're one of the few, I think, that probably went into medicine early on and realized that maybe the Western model wasn't the best way to go from what I can tell. A lot of people either don't get to that point or get there after they've been jaded because they wanted to help people and they're realizing they're not helping people. So you, Dr. Lando has a, a background in psychology, naturopathic medicine, even a doctorate in uh, chiropractic. And he also was in private practice for 40 years. So a ton of experience with real live people and learning from the real live people in front of them. And in that practice really focused on biological trained medicine, which I'm super eager to get into because in a world today where we're worried about viruses and germs and the outside world making us sick, I think we really need to open our eyes to a different paradigm of what is truly making us sick. And so biological trained medicine is a really huge part of that. And in his practice, he also really focused on a whole bunch of other medical specializations, which I didn't get the list written down, but I know there's a ton of other stuff that really helped to allow the individual to heal from within rather than looking at external sources to heal that individual. Dr. Bear's message is one of, it's humble, first of all, very humble and very empowering and inspiring. He's not here to tell you what to do, but to just give you some truth and to help yourself find your own way on your own path, whether it be in your own health body or in your own mission and passion here in life. So thank you, Dr. Bear, for joining me. I am super excited. I have a couple of friends who are actually true groupies of yours, I would say. So they're going to be really excited to hear this, this podcast. So thank you. Thank you for joining me. And before, just so everybody knows, Dr. Bear is the satellite system there. So there might be some issues with our connectivity, but hopefully it holds out for the next hour or so. So again, thank you for joining me, Dr. Bear. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Mm, thank you. Okay. And uh, I, I've been looking forward to this chat. So uh, 
wherever you. you want to go, I can talk about anything. Me too. Well, let's first talk about what you've created with Alpha Vedic, and then we'll get into more of the nitty gritty around what you used to practice, what you do practice and what you talk about. If people don't know about Alpha Vedic, it's for me, it's just such an interesting combo of the movement and sports, the farming, the medicine, and of course, bringing in spirituality around that and energy around that as well. It's like, it's like the whole picture project, right? You've, you've got expertise in all of these areas. So how did you create that? And I know one of your crops, I think that you're growing, if I'm not wrong, is it Ganostema? Because I'm actually, I'm drinking that right now. <laughs> So as are you that's awesome <laughs> i work with a tonic herb company here in alberta and this is one of our products as well so i'm a big proponent of the gynostema tea so amazing cheers <laughs> cheers i've been growing it for oh going about a dozen years now we had a uh an herb farm a little bit south of here off grid and you know out in the boonies like we are here and we kind of outgrew the place. We need a little more space. We're on a nice riverfront there and everything. And uh, so we found this place here, but down there I perfected the, uh, the Jiao Gulan growing because as you know, it's mostly from Southern China and Southeast Asia. And yeah. I fell in love with it uh, you know, when I first started using it. And uh, I always would buy the, the best organic source from overseas. And, and then we had some third-party testing and found out there was some beasties in it ah. <laughs> so um yeah so uh so i started growing it and i had no idea if we could you know we were uh, already on a farm we had a commercial nursery at our last place and uh you know grew a lot of other herbs and then i started growing that so after a dozen years i really got the hang of it so we've been here for four years we have a permaculture farm i certified at oregon state university in permaculture design not that I really wanted to get into the certification so much because we were already doing biodynamic farming for years and the, the current certification in permaculture is a little bit too academic for us where my wife and myself both came from uh, farming families, you know, where our hands were in the dirt. So uh, we just kind of had a natural knack for it. And I came from a different culture. Uh, you know, folks from Italy and grandfather from Peru. So they all lived on the land and I grew up, you know, weeding the garden and growing stuff with my mom and pruning trees. And uh, so, yeah, it's a natural thing. So uh, up here, we do work a little bit though in the educational end of things, you know, we teach in the permaculture community and, and have a lot of nice programs going. So that's kind of our foundation of mostly what we do now. And this permaculture uh, farm that we're designing here or um, implementing now, we just finished zone one this summer, which is quite a feat, you know, cause it's a few acres and it's mm -hmm. where we have our primary Jiao Gulan vines. So if you walk around here, you'll nice little forest pass because it likes the dappled light. And uh, we figured out how to mulch it, you know, like right now that's what we're doing. Cause it's starting to get cold here. We're in the Northwest. And then it, uh, if you treat it right, in the uh, dormant season, it just sprouts up on its own. So we have uh, four years ago when we first moved here, we planted our first vines, you know, just little areas at a time. And uh, ones that we uh, planted four years ago are just like lush and crazy healthy because it comes back, um, you know, stronger every year. And uh, so we've done that every successive year. So this year we had quite an extensive crop and a few acres uh, all cultivated. And then this winter we're going to cultivate another whole forest area and that'll wrap up zone one. And then we're uh, 
right now just poured a foundation for a lab that we're building, hopefully be done by this spring, because I do a lot of spagyric formulating, uh, do a lot of uh, soil science that we teach here. And also, uh, you know, I just call it my alchemy lab because uh, we do a lot of other things in there with uh, sonic therapies. So it'll have a little area for um, sound treatment. And because I always had sound treatment rooms in my clinics in the past. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, a lot of interesting characters that are all showing up since we arrived. You know, this is very remote. Nobody lives around here, but a few people have kind of come and, you know, they're supporting us and donating their time. And, and then we have the extended community through Alpha Vedic. And uh, we have people traveling here from all over the world where the subject of two different documentaries in the making right now where they want to chronicle our progress because our whole message to the world is about decentralization of uh, farming, of medicine, of commerce, and just getting back to grassroots where people thousands of miles away in suits that have never uh, mm. appreciated you know, the way we live or our needs in the first place are telling us how we should live and how much money we should give to them. So we just wanna, you know, we feel like it's time for the people of this planet to take it back and uh, you know, not in a contentious way, but just, uh, you know, to just claim our natural birthright. So I'd say that would encapsulate everything that we're up to now. Wow, like my heart is bursting with that image. Imagine, imagine where we could be if we would all step into that and, and claim our health sovereignty and claim our rights to just direct the lives that we wanna live in the way that we wanna live. Like what you said, yeah, those suits thousands of miles away that think that they can impose upon you their rules and their laws and their medicines and, and look where that's gotten us. So, wow, that is amazing. Yeah. So let's quickly, since we talked about gynostemma, and I refer to it as gynostemma, I find it's an easier way to say, can, like, can you just talk to people if they don't know what that is quickly as to some of the benefits, and then we're, we'll get into your biological treatments, because I love it. I recommend this for most people, for blood sugar, for cardiovascular health, like so many other things, just wellness. So what, what do you love yeah. about gynostemma? Well, first off, it tastes great. Um, you know, just a nice, natural, sweet taste. I don't know where you get yours, but you know, mine is uh, was just picked and dried just a couple of weeks ago. Wow, and this is from uh, it's Thailand. so nice. This one is a Thailand. Uh, yeah, piece. yeah, yeah. I know them. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, not personally, but I know of them. I should say. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, but but it tastes wonderful, and you know, in the herbal uh, community, it's very popular to throw around the term adaptogen these days. And as an herbologist, that's, I, I think, a little bit too loosely used. You know, an adaptogen is a very specific herb. And uh, I think every herb that, uh, you know, has a little bit of a, a regenerative or stimulating quality, now we kind of throw it all in that lump of adaptogen. But gynostemma or jiao gulan is uh, truly an adaptogen. What I like about it is energetically, and, and this is the way I approach uh, things mostly, you know, I look at the monograms and understand all the, the actions and the indications and contraindications, that sort of thing from my medical brain. But when it comes to practice, you know, when in my career days, and also, especially when it comes to farming, it's about understanding the energetic qualities of things. So, um, it, it has uh, just a wonderful balanced effect. And in the world of herbs, you know, you have to be a little bit careful because some herbs 
may be wonderful. They may or may not be right for you. So you have to take that into account depending on, you know, when I uh, prescribe an herb for somebody, for instance, I'm not so much looking at, you know, their ailment or what the herb is purported to do. I'm matching the personality of the individual mm -hmm. with the personality of the plant. And that's where you just can really cut to the chase and really cut through all the idiosyncrasies much better. We have some technologically assisted ways of doing that with uh, radiation, biogeometry, and other tools that can really match on a waveform level how to make that perfect and, and, and really fine tune things. But gynostemma is, um, you know, you really can't get in trouble uh, by taking it long term because it's very balanced within itself. So now if we get more into the, the left brain uh, sort of analysis of it, it lengthens uh, DNA telomeres, which are, you know, are the first things that get damaged and, and you know, also uh, the beginning of our biological or aging process when that starts happening. And there are a lot of things on the market that purport to lengthen DNA telomeres, but gynostemma is, in my opinion, the best. And, uh, you know, it, again, it does help the body, uh, you know, uh, put it in more of a regenerative sort of uh, state. It's great for the cardiovascular system. It's great for the lungs. It's, it's really, it's hard to find an organ system that it isn't good for in the body. So um, it, it just, and it feels good, you know, it's stimulating, but it's not stimulating in a, in a way like uh, caffeine, you know, it's just like a natural stimulation. There's no come down. And, uh, you know, day by day, it just builds your energy reserves, you know, kind of your chi reserves. And in that process, uh, you know, I think that's maybe why the people in Southeast China say a cup of Jiao Gulan a day, you know, and you'll live past 100. And it seems like right. the people that do that, you know, have that experience. And I never look to one thing externally to myself to, you know, fix my body or make me live forever. That's not the reason why I do it, but it does feel good. And it does have a lot of marvelous actions. Absolutely. And they, I think it was discovered for its longevity when they did do a census right in the Southern parts of China and they discovered, wow, less chronic disease, longer lived people. So pretty powerful. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, so guys, check it out. Jagulan, amazing tea. So, okay. Now I really want to get into there's, and I know you've done lots of talks these days on germ theory versus terrain theory and the whole history around that with Béchamp, Pasteur and, and just the whole, the, the spell that we're living under thinking that we are under attack constantly that we need to protect ourselves rather than cultivate this healthy terrain within ourselves. So one of your big focuses I know was biological terrain medicine. I think I'm saying that right, yes. Um, so tell me about that. What, what does that mean? What when you were working with people, what, what were you looking at for them? Like, there's a lot of questions I have. Like, I wanna know, how are you assessing people and looking at people? What is your definition of health? What is your definition of disease? But let's just start with biological trained medicine and maybe the answers will come out of that. Yeah, maybe put it in a context of different schools of biotrained medicine. Uh, in the States here, more recently, it's taught as um, a science to measure pH and, and different more quantitative elements within the body. 
And then based on that, make assessments that will then, you know, be amenable to nutritional therapies or herbal therapies or whatever, you know, whatever the practitioner brings to the table. I studied uh, bioterrain medicine in a whole different school. It was more the old European school that originated with um, basically people like Rudolf Steiner, mm. uh, who, of course, had a whole different way of viewing the universe. And uh, I was an early student of his, uh, even while I was going through my medical training. And from there, uh, you, you know, my background is, uh, I was going down the path of just being a regular MD. And then I found this uh, program at Stanford Medical School after my pre-med and my graduate school in psychology. And uh, it really interested me. They were trying to create these elite level paramedics. And so they had a certification. I was accepted into it. And that's why I became a paramedic and a firefighter for a few years. But then I went back to college and, and not to straight medical school because I felt that I kind of got what I needed out of there. So this will round back to biotrain medicine real quick. Um, I went to naturopathic college. And uh, you know there I emphasized uh, oriental medicine, classical homeopathy. I uh, got my diploma in kinesiology, then went to chiropractic college after that. But all of those things, you know, really start framing your mind that I was already in that mindset anyway of, uh, you know, looking at the body. And as an old jock, basically, that's why I got into medicine. Uh, that was my sole reason. You know, I was very competitive and, and um, was always just looking for a way to up my game and I just wanted to know more and more about the body so I was studying nutrition and things back before it was fashionable you know with the old nature paths like Pavo Arola and people like that <clears throat> excuse me so anyway uh one thing led to another and I found myself in a company of German medical doctors who were trained in old school German uh microbiology microscopy and terrain medicine and it's a whole different ballgame because you're really looking at the microbes as the core of the terrain and then understanding your job is to really cultivate that terrain or help that person cultivate their terrain. So those populations would be uh, most advantageous because they're the little worker bees inside of us that do everything. And I found the same thing in, in, as a full-time farmer. If your soil microbe populations are not right, then things aren't going to grow. So it's very important. Same thing in your body. And that's why it's so important and why people like me have uh, just naturally merged into farming because we realize that whole binome between the soil of agriculture and the soil of our bodies is continuous. And not just that, uh, you know, we need that good soil to produce good things that are nutrient dense, but there's actually a communication going on on different levels between those two binomes. We are not separate from the soil that sustains us inside our body or outside of our body. And when you get into the concepts of, you know, people like Steiner biodynamics, which biodynamics too is sort of morphed into more of a surface materialistic level of just, you know, having cows poop where you're gonna plant and, you know, and all that kind of, and a lot of techniques, which are great, but it goes much, much deeper than that into the energetic qualities. So when I first learned bioterrain medicine, that was my school. Uh, that's, you know, how I frame my whole perspective of the world and how I practice medicine. 
I'll, uh, we could go into all, any number of directions. I'll let you guide the conversation. Okay. Here. So for somebody who is new to this concept, so I, are you just referring to the microbiome and per people? Are you referring to more than that? How does one cultivate a healthy terrain and what does it look like when they don't have a healthy terrain? What it doesn't look like is what I used to view under a microscope in several different laboratory assessments I would do on everybody. Uh, on physical exam, when I would do osteopathic listening, just feeling the motion of their organs, their, you know, their cranium, their entire meningeal system, all the way down their spine. When I felt their uh, uh, pulses, you know, more of a Chinese pulse analysis, abdominal diagnosis, all those things paint a marvelous picture as far as what's going on with that person. But the fact is, is when somebody, you know, when you get the hang of it, when you've been doing it a few years, when somebody walks into your clinic, uh, everything that you need to know is pretty much written across their forehead. And, wow. and there's just an energetic quality, the continence of their speech patterns. Um, uh, it just, uh, you know, a lot of intangibles that are hard to articulate. But all of those things play into, uh, okay, as a physician, how do I start? Where's, where's the place where I start? Which also is necessarily takes into account their belief system, their experience. Because if I get into all the things with the average person that I believe in, I'll probably lose 99% of the folks. I'll just say, well, this guy's you know out there. Uh, but it's, it's uh, really a fun journey because you can get individuals and on day one, maybe you wouldn't dare have a certain conversation. And then, you know, a little bit later, they're feeling better, their problems gone and, and your old friends and you're having just great conversations and, and they're just totally different people. But that's what happens when you change the terrain. And unfortunately, uh, we have a lot of overlays into our terrain uh, including electromagnetic smog, and then all of the different poisons that we're subjected to. But to more directly answer your question, the, the most critical place uh, you know, we need to look at if, if we want to change our terrain to be more healthy uh, you know, for our well-being is to uh, really start changing the way we think about things. Every thought we have has consequences. And, you know, we won't get into the weeds there too much unless you want to. But to me, the terrain really means the electromagnetic terrain. And we live in a thought-based universe. And every thought creates an electrical vector, which then has consequences on every cellular body. And then the emotions that we manufacture relative to our experience based on those consequences um, and the stories we attach to those emotions give the velocity for the things to happen in our body, in our terrain that perhaps we'd rather not experience. So if people understood that if you could get things together on that level first, you probably wouldn't even need a doctor, take an herb or or uh, just do anything other than eat what your body tells you to eat and you'd be in perfect health and be happy all the time and all the problems in your world would disappear. That's how important it is because that's the whole ball of wax. 
So terrain medicine and all the things we do in alternative medicine are really to align ourselves with the patterns within nature, which then overcome those, uh, you know, those other grids that we uh, overlay and, and that other folks out there have purposely overlaid upon us that uh, makes us not just naturally align ourselves and feel those patterns that would solve every problem we have. So when I look at the, all, all the testing we did, that would give me all the starting points as far as on ground level in the, in the physical body where we need to start in the first place was with the microscope and looking at those populations because not only would that tell me what we need to do on the microbial level, but it would tell me why those microbes were there in response to certain conditions in the terrain. So we can launch off in any direction from okay, there. So you were testing, you were looking at the actual gut microbiome through a microscope? Yes, yes, yes. And you could tell- we what you had just by simply looking at the nature of the microbe itself? Like what, what In many ways. from that? Like what do you, like here today we're mapping out our microbiome, which I think, I don't think we have the intelligence to really understand what that information gives us personally, but looking at it is different than like, let's talk about that. What, what, what did you, information do you get from that? Okay, as I alluded, many techniques to do that, but let's just choose one which I think would be easier to illustrate these concepts. Um, and that is live cell microscopy. So if I take a single drop of capillary blood, venous blood, and put it under the microscope, I'm gonna see what I learned in German microbiology uh, that uh, identifies not only different organisms that are innate to our body in our ecosystem, but also I would see what stage of development they were in. And then that would tell me more about the condition of the train. Now, what do I mean about that? We think of microbes as static organisms. It would be like us being born into a baby body and never turning into adults and looking like a baby our entire life. Well, we kind of morph into different stages of development, just like bugs outside. You know, I can go find a dead animal in the forest and find little creepy crawlers on it. And then pretty soon they grow wings and fly away. Well, you know, nature has one unerring pattern and it works the same for all of us, big and small. So these organisms actually go through very predictable pleomorphic changes. So when you look under the microscope in a healthy blood, you see all these little sparkly things. And uh, in the German microbiology community, they call that protids. Uh, in uh, a gentleman I studied with um, Gaston Naissance, he called them somatids. Um, uh, some of the early pioneers in terrain theory, theory like uh, Bouchamp, uh, you know, he looked at, he had different names, but just considered them symbionts. They're, you know, our little partners in this whole journey, uh, you know, wearing a biological spacesuit. So when the terrain starts, shifting, then these organisms shift with it in order to not only accommodate for their own welfare, but also to do jobs to maintain your ecosystem and also bring it back to balance. For instance, let's just say um, today you and I are together in the same room and I have a sore throat. 
-hmm. And, uh, and I tell you, yeah, I just had my throat, uh, you know, culture taken and they found streptococcus. Now, sure enough, you wake up tomorrow morning and you have a sore throat. You go to the doctor. Yeah, I've got it too, streptococcus. What the doctors don't appreciate is there is one of these uh, many little families of organisms and it's called penicillin notatum. And under the microscope, it would look like these little sparkly proteids that we're describing. Now, if my upper respiratory system had a job to do, maybe some tissue that needed to be cleaned out, some toxins, you name it. This goes much deeper. I'm keeping it just on the physical level. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it has a much bigger story, which we may not be able to get into. But then you'll see under the microscope, it'll go through uh, predictable stages. You know, one will, you know, colloid, chandra, you know, we have all these terminologies to recognize what they look like at different stages. And then this penicillin notatum will actually reach the bacterial stage. And it does that when those bacteria are necessary in the body to clean up a very specific part of the terrain, no different than when a fly lays eggs on a dead carcass out in the forest, and then it you know, creates all the, the little creatures that gobble up the carcass. So it's doing the same exact thing. So when you get that throat culture, all the doctor is doing is circumstantially blaming that bacterial phase of penicillin notatum, calling it streptococcus, and also believing that streptococcus is an entity in nature that exist independent of us and only in that one stage. That's absolutely false. And I know that for a fact because I've seen it thousands of times go from you know, beginning all the way through the stages. And then of course, when you manage the terrain, instead of maybe taking antibiotics that would kill the guys that are actually there at the scene trying to help you, then you're going to have much better results and your long-term health is going to improve remarkably. And when you use antibiotics and things and kill those guys that you blame for the reason why you don't feel good, then that, uh, that devastates our binome inside. And in the process, let's just say your body has a biological response that the uh, doctors would call cancer. Cancer is a pre-programmed biological response triggered by something totally different. And it's actually a healing mechanism of the body. And when our body is in balance, that tumor, as we call it, will go through two phases. And in the second phase, these little organisms we're talking about will actually start secreting enzymes that will digest the tumor when it's no longer necessary. And there was a time when these things weren't so problematic, where these conditions would come and go in our body all the time, we wouldn't even know about it. So when you blame these guys, and then really impede what they're trying to do, let alone devastate their populations, you set yourself up for much worse things. And in the short term, you aren't appreciating what's going on in the first place. And it's true, you take an antibiotic, it will kill those guys. And those guys are secreting things that create 
inflammation of mucous membranes. It makes things hurt and swell and, you know, your nose and everything starts, you know, up chucking things and that doesn't feel good. Nobody wants that. And then you take an antibiotic. Oh, that's not happening anymore. So you think you're better, but in fact, you just made yourself worse. Right. Okay. Okay. I got a lot of things that came out of this one. So I had to write them down. Okay. A few things quickly. Can you First of all, define terrain. What would you say the terrain is? What does that mean? When you're- Soil. 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 It's the growing medium. It's growing it's medium. That's okay. all it is. Okay. So you said if you were to manage or support the terrain rather than you'd go to antibiotics, you'd be much better off. So, okay. So you did, instead of doing antibiotics in this case with this sore throat, what would be your way to deal with that? Well, in the biological terrain, you have organ systems. Now I can get 10 people with a strep throat, but I'm gonna treat each one of them exactly different based on all the assessments I was ah. kind of going oh, through real okay. quick earlier. So now you, I might find in one individual that there are monk tree channels, the, the drainage channels for the liver are compromised or someone else, you know, uh, we might have to deal with pancreatic function, you know, as far as the digestive portion. Uh, there's, it's unlimited as the respiratory system might, uh, need to be accommodated because, you know, the lungs are, are a large elimination system in our body. And, uh, so wherever that person is compromised and it's going to impede the whole natural process that the body is trying to achieve in the first place, then that's what you target. So if somebody isn't getting assessed, they don't have access to somebody like you that gets it, uh, or is there something on app? Like for me, say, for example, if I'm getting a sore throat and I'm wondering, and maybe this is like, I actually alternate, I'll take like a liquid probiotic or some kind of liquid something or a beet kvass or something like that. And I'll just, I alternate by say gargling with silver or food grade hydrogen peroxide and then the probiotic, but me, am I doing wrong? Am I, should I not be trying to kill that? Like, how do you, is that, is that stepping in where I shouldn't be stepping in? even though it's a more natural way to kill? Yeah, great question. And I've used those therapies myself in the past. And, you know, it, it depends on why you're using them. For instance, you can use colloidal silver or you can use uh, hydrogen peroxide. And either one of them, most people would say, oh, this is going to kill the bad guys. When I use those things, I'm looking at the two of them for their, uh, their effects on raising the energetic and physiological function of the body. And that actually happens with those two substances. It's not just that you're killing ah. bugs. Ah, okay. So, uh, so I found that both of those are, are very, you know, wonderful, but I think the main thing, if you're not seeing somebody that knows about terrain medicine, uh, the first thing you need to do is have awareness. Awareness is going to create an electromagnetic condition in every cell of your body that is going to promote healing and immediately at that moment align you with the natural processes that know how to fix everything. Your body has your back all the time. And if we understand it, we don't even have to get fancy and look at things under a microscope or go to some doctor that, you know, can do some kind of testing. Just that awareness alone is really 90% of the whole thing. Now, if you understand it, okay, uh, you know, just like in the winter months when most people get the 
colds and flus, which uh, I, you know, use those terms loosely. Um, that's because the body during those months is composting. Uh, right now, we're going into the cold season, and the composting in my farm is already beginning. So we're gonna, you know, augment that, facilitate it, and let it do its thing, and it's gonna help regenerate new crops next year. Our bodies do the same thing. That's why we have the so-called flu season, and that's why people. Uh, you know, all are all catching the flu so-called from each other, when in fact, no, that's not what's going on at all. What's happening is our bodies are simultaneously meeting the demands of the new season, or, uh, you know, sometimes other conditions that affect the population, you know, like launching 5G and everything, and then everybody starts getting certain symptoms, and you might even blame it on a virus or something. But, you know, you have to understand how the body really works. So if you appreciate that, maybe your lifestyle hasn't been impeccable, uh, you know, then you can take measures that can help relieve the burden so the body doesn't have as much to compost so that other tissues don't have to take up the job of secreting all of that stuff somehow, which can come out through the skin and give you skin conditions. Uh, you know, it can come up through the upper respiratory system and create, you know, conditions there, uh, digestive systems, any, anything, you know, in the book you can think of, you can get symptoms if your body in that area has to take up part of the burden of the job that it really shouldn't have to do in the first place. So maybe if you just take some, you know, safe herbs and things that, you know, uh, you know, kind of uh, you support your body, you know, things like milk thistle and dandelion, you know, for your liver and kidneys and everything. But um, another one that might sound a little bit weird with uh, people, but, you know, again, I come from a different culture. I grew up with different languages and, and, uh, you know, people in other countries do things that are just no different than what we would consider changing oil on our car or something. So, um, you know, I grew up with a little bit of that mentality too. But what we found uh, very uh, helpful in our clinics with people, especially with so-called terminal diseases, was things like coffee enemas. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's something that anybody can do at home. You know, once you get the hang of it, it's not that weird. It just takes, uh, you know, not that much time. And, and then that just, you know, absorbs through the, the liver portal system and allows the liver just to upchuck. And the liver is, you know, usually the first place where things get a little congested because it is like the oil filter on our car. And the fact is on this planet right now, we're all off-roading, you know, we live on dirt roads out here and we drive trucks and we have to change our oil and our oil filters a little more, you know, frequently because of that. Um, because of all the things we're subjected to on the planet these days, uh, you know, it, we might just get the hang of, uh, you know, changing our own oil filter a little bit, you know, more regularly doing our body a favor. And when people start understanding that, wow, a lot of this is in their control, we aren't under siege from invisible enemies. Uh, in my experience, those people say, geez, you know, I really don't catch the flu anymore. You right. know, again, that's, that's a real right. uh, misnomer, that kind of verbiage. But uh, you just don't have to get sick and you're not getting sick in the first place when you think you have the cold or flu or any uh, uh, that sort of thing, because all your body is doing is eliminating excess. And if you can work with it ahead of time, then your body doesn't have to do everything for you and make you feel horrible for a week or yeah. two. 
So it's pretty much cleaning house, right? Getting rid of what doesn't need yeah. to be there, detoxing, cleaning up. So I want to yeah. come back to that example that you did with the sore throat, mm -hmm. saying you had the, the detection of the streptococcus in the throat, and then the next day I go and I find the same thing. Did I catch that from you? No. Um, there's This is where we have to get a little tricky. There's something we call resonance. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Everything that I do now, and even when I was uh, still had my clinic, that's the direction we had already moved to. So we did all these biological therapies, and you know, looked at people's blood and and everything. We didn't stop doing that, but we also started employing other ways to measure the resonance of the body. Everything, our entire universe, works on the principle of resonance. It's one of the uh, seven principles of hermetic science and it's more proven out today than ever so let's just say you come into my office and i've got this going on well i have a whole resonance because of what my biology is doing that resonance if you're vulnerable can be very contagious and that resonance can further create the electrical vectors that will then uh, be accommodated within the train because biology cannot escape the electrical vectors that put it there in the first place. It's impossible. Everything comes from top down. Thought, emotion to body. That is science. That is evidence-based. And I know the conventional systems will woo-woo that, but in fact, to not recognize how that works and have ways to not only appreciate it, but to measure it and then to have practical application based on those measurements is woo-woo. Uh, you know, the conventional system and why I left it is uh, outside of crisis intervention is just shooting in the dark and coming up with theory upon theory to justify their, you know, their prevailing narrative. And not to get all down on them, you know, that's a very valuable training. I had that too. And it became foundational for everything I, you know, uh, did in my career. But when you stop there, uh, you're in no way or shape ready to practice medicine. You have no business. So resonance is nothing more than the vibration created by polarities that are created with every thought that we think. So when you come into my office, well, let me ask you this. Uh, let's just say if you and I have a little chat and I'm in just a horrible foul mood and, uh, <laughs> you know, the whole time and, and uh, you know, and then we end the conversation, how are you going to feel afterwards? Yeah, not great. Yeah, it, it's the same thing. You know, even if it's something in, you know, a sore throat or something, that is a whole energetic field. And that is the true contagion, which will in turn create your biology including the um, uh, progression of certain organisms into certain phases that will then go into certain body parts and start doing their thing. And if you get into some areas of medicine, for instance, like New German medicine, we could explain that in a much better way. Right. So I'm kind of throwing out some simplistic explanations right, right now. Right, right. So now we've got the world. We're in November 2020 and people are terrified because this virus has been unleashed and it's 
it's killing people, it's making people sick, it's causing all these long-term side effects. We don't know what it's gonna do and people are terrified. So this is based in germ theory. This is based on the work of Pasteur, right? This is, this is yep. flawed thinking that has never, like has this ever been proven? Has that contagion in the way that we are taught in the Western medical model, has it ever actually been proven? No. And um, <laughs> short answer. Right. There's something we really need to think about. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a double major undergraduate, a pre-law and pre-med, and then I did a lot of work in the legal field in, um, we don't want to get into that, but it has to do with understanding what's really going on in our legal institutions. Mm -hmm. So I went very deep into it. And so I learned a lot of law in the process and, you know, took off from my undergraduate work, even though I didn't go to formal law school. So um, there's an axiom in law called fruit of the poison tree. Are you familiar with that? No. So in a court process, if somebody is um, introducing evidence and that evidence is coming from a source that is proven irreputable, then that is considered yeah. fruit of the poison tree and dismissed as evidence. Okay. So here we are with germ theory and anybody doing even a cursory investigation into this character called Pasteur is gonna find out that he wasn't that good of a microbiologist. He wasn't respected by his peers. He was known for his plagiarism he was also uh, known, you know, uh, by people that had access later to his private laboratory notes that he didn't believe in a word he said. <laughs> that can all, that's all documented. However, you know, the powers that shouldn't be at the time realized that he was a, a, a person that they could use to sell a narrative. So if all this information is out about those roots, which it is, and that man's character, and the integrity of the system that used him for their narrative, in a court of law, that evidence would be immediately entered, and anybody coming in trying to present evidence of the existence of germs as a cause of aging of disease, it would automatically be thrown out. And let's just say it's snuck in in the first place, the only thing they have to support their narrative is highly circumstantial. And now bacteria and certain organisms do exist, but now the whole explanation of a virus, mm -hmm. it's, it's never been isolated. And in fact, you know, if you look at Koch's postulates, which means, you know, you have to purify a sample and and you, you know, I won't go through the whole thing and, and isolate it so you know that that's pure and nothing else and then introduce it into other hosts to see if that produces symptoms. That's never been done. It just amazing. hasn't been done. We've got and these so postulates. So Sorry, I was just gonna say, it's so amazing because we've got these postulates. This is how we prove, but what? that's what I keep hearing. It's never been done. Like, it's just, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> and then we're basing the whole medical model the contagion part of the medical model on that. 
The only thing that's crazy about it is that we believe it. Right. You know, okay, so you have some sociopaths that want to pull off a big scam and control the planet or whatever the hell's going on. And um, okay, that's one thing. If, if that floats your boat, go for it. But to have billions of people believe it, well, actually, billions of people don't believe it. That's only if you watch television. You know, more people are wising up now. And even people that don't have technical information, you know, there, there's a, a, let's just say, a gross lack of trust in this whole system. Um, you know, and then if you look at a virus, they say, well, we take pictures of it. Well, those are CGI, computer generated <laughs> imagery. Yeah. And the ones that aren't where they actually have true electron light microscopy imagery, those are cell fragments. That's been shown in a lot of, you know, where it shows, you know, RNA, DNA from host cells and cell fragments. You know, one of the, you know, you're talking about biotrain medicine. One of the things labs I did, I did several, but one's called ionization analysis. And part of that was looking at cell debris. And when the cell debris rose above a certain titer, I knew that, okay, there's something active going on in that body because cells were dying quicker than the body was replenishing with new good ones. And, uh, and what I came to understand based on that visualization is that that would provoke certain processes in a body that would actually be cleansing processes. It would actually provoke surfactants and things to be manufactured by the cells that then would then cleanse the body more efficiently, do whatever it had to do. So those cell fragments are one of the elements that could be imaged uh, that they're showing us and saying, well, that's a virus. Uh, ribosomes in the body, uh, you know, are uh, organelles within the cells that um, manufacture polypeptides for new tissues and other jobs, enzymes. And those can be confused with virus. And of course, when we say confused with virus, what we're acknowledging is that they have a theory of what a virus is and what it does. And those two examples fit their theory and then can be conveniently extrapolated to sell the whole thing. The other thing um, that we talk about all the time is exosomes. Mm -hmm. Exosomes, you know, I was first made aware of those years back when I was doing stem cell research because I was very interested in it with my work with, um, you know, athletes and people that needed to regenerate knees and so forth. And I didn't like the way the mainstream was doing it. So I did a lot of research, but anyway, exosomes are produced by the body. And what it is, is if you take a cell membrane and what happens, it causes an end, uh, a, 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 like an invagination, an endosome. And then that little pocket, you know, picks up material from the cell and then it shoots out of the cell. That's what you call an exosome. Now what exosomes do, uh, they trigger all sorts of communication signaling, you know, to help the body do certain jobs. It stimulates stem cell production, production of cytokines and interleukins and all the things that make our body tick, you know, and those exosomes can be very easily confused with virus. Another thing that people never consider is antibodies. Antibodies, um, you know, we are told that we have an immune system. It's based on the warfare model of biology. 
get the bad guys. Mm. And the antibodies are like shooting bullets, you know, at these foreign invaders. That's not true at all. We don't have an immune system. We have a self-maintaining, self-correcting body and biology. And what we term the immune system is part of that regenerative system. And what antibodies really do is regenerate tissue. That's what they do. But they can also be confused with virus. And then, you know, if you want to get into the testing of virus, other than imaging, which is a bunch of bunk, then we have to get into the PCR test. All the PCR test, and, and of course, the originator, uh, the innovator of the PCR test said, this is not a diagnostic test. It's for totally different purposes. All it does is amplify uh, certain snippets of DNA. And then as you, as it goes down the chain, why they call the polymer chain reaction, um, then it actually manufactures DNA in a process. And then, so the, the further you get from that initial little snippet, as that whole process continues, the more spurious the results, the more false positives, false negatives. And then, you know, we also have to accommodate that genome sequence eight in, in humans happens to be pretty identical to what they tell right. us is, <laughs> is the, right. uh, you know, the beer bug. So I'm just being careful with languaging because, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in the States here, you know, we get censored for oh, everywhere, words. everywhere. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Imaginable, unimaginable. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, all these things that we test uh, to prove the existence of virus. Oh, and antibodies, an antibody test, you know, they'll say like people used to come to me all the time with hep C you know, and, and other conditions, Epstein-Barr, you know, and we, uh, right. AIDS, yeah. I saw a lot of AIDS people. Oh, we've got the, you know, the antibodies for HIV. All that shows is that you have antibodies. That's the only thing it proves. And then of course the antibodies are theoretically linked to a disease. And by the way, if you want to talk about Pasture, he's got a lot of good company, throw in Fauci, throw in Gallo, and they're all in bed together. They've all, you know, monetizing the patents. And, you know, that's another whole wormhole to go down. So um, this thing is an entire, entirely big scam. And what I really don't understand is how intelligent, educated doctors can't see through it. I kind of understand why, but I still don't. A lot of doctors are waking up. And a lot of doctors that I share panels with these days are doing a marvelous job getting out there and talking about these things. Um, the difference between myself and those people is they are now opening their eyes and finding out, oh my God, look at all this research and they'll start looking at bioterrain concepts and all that sort of thing. And they're fantastic. And they bring to the table a whole different attribute of, you know, ferreting through the research and analyzing the data and then presenting that to the population. The only thing different about myself is I actually did bioterrain medicine for 40 plus years. And it's no different than working on a farm. And, you know, amongst farmers, it's like, if it doesn't grow corn, what's the point? Things <laughs> you get real practical very quick. And when people came to me with terminal diseases and we had people coming to us from all over the world with those sorts of conditions. And they're already given up uh, by the medical 
you know, establishment is saying, uh, you know, you're, you're done. And then they'd end up on our doorway and in worse shape than when they started. Um, they don't care if there's been a study or, or what the academics say, or if some bogus peer review, you know, situation happened where, you know, your colleague, you know, pats you on the back and says, oh, you're right. And then you get written up in the journal and oh, you're peer reviewed. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is so off the hook fake. It's not even, yeah. <laughs> it's not even close to reality. Right, right. So just, I know we're getting, running out of time here. I just want a couple more things. So first of all, what was your, what was your success rate in achieving and returning to health with these people that were at the end of the line and that were given up on? Okay. I'm going to make a, an astounding statement. Then I'm going to qualify it. It was a hundred percent success rate. Okay. And um, that included cancers, MS and all that sort of thing. Does that mean everybody got better and everybody lived? No. Statistically, we were way above the batting average of the conventional system, not even close. And it was even, um, you know, the, the stats were in our favor even more so when people didn't do conventional therapies before they got to us. That increased their chances of survival. Now, what I meant by 100% is what I figured out about halfway through my career is that doctors aren't gods. And it's not our job to say, I'm going to save your life, or this is when you're going to die, or you need to see me at all. I understood and had a lot of lessons about this, that my job was to support that person's journey, that individual's journey. Mm -hmm. Maybe that individual, maybe they were done with this experience and it was time to move on. So in those experiences, we facilitated not expediting that, but to make that journey um, as clear and pleasant as possible. And when people did make the passage under those circumstances, they did it free of fear. They were not in the hospital. They were at home with loved ones. They simply fell asleep mm. and understood going into it what this whole experience was about in the first place. So I consider that a success. We facilitate, facilitated their journey. They weren't hanging on for dear life with tubes running in and out of their bodies with morphine drips. They're free of pain. Wow. And if you manage the terrain, even when a person is making the journey, that is more often than not your experience. But an unusually high amount of people compared to the statistical average actually healed themselves, healed themselves. I never healed a person. I never treated cancer. I never cured cancer. There's no cancer. There's nothing to cure. It's working with biological processes that are designed to heal us in the first place. And the only thing that's working against us is fear. Yeah, and look at where we're at now. We're like, it's like we forgot that death is a part of life and we're terrified to die because something might kill us. It's, it, it, and just that fear in itself, what is that doing to the terrain? And, and you're, you're just the life while you're here, right? It's, I, as somebody mm -hmm. said a quote about, you know, life is about living. It's not about the fear of death. And this is what we're focused on. And we're, 
wow, it's, it's, it's like, you know, we're, this, this isn't it. This body isn't it, right? And if I die, I die. And, and we, we forgot that. We forgot that it's okay to die. Well, when you get into the realm of waveform physics, which is where I spend most of my time these days, even when I'm formulating spagyrics and that sort of thing, that's how we create formulas based on the electrical vectors, not based on academic knowledge. Then you get the perfect compatible, just like sodium and chloride mating for the perfect chemical mate. Well, that's the way we do everything. So um, when you understand that, that is how the universe works. And we are co-creators within this universe. And through our thought and emotion that necessarily outpictures into our reality, you realize we are the idea behind the body in the first place. And the idea is nothing more than a simulation of those ideas, of that thought, of those electrical vectors. So in a sense, you know, we're never the body in the first place, the body. And if we, you know, had a few more hours, we could explain how it's just literally a moment by moment movie, so to speak, um, you know, picked up by the senses that are also part of the same simulation. That body was never alive in the first place, mm -hmm. the way we think it's alive. So it can't die. It would be like, burning up a painting by Leonardo da Vinci and thinking that we killed him. It, wow. You know, the, the consciousness is in the creator, not in the product. Our body is an end product. So when I'm doing bioterrain medicine, I am fully aware that everything I look at from the microbial, biochemical, electromagnetic vectors, it's all a byproduct. And rather than try to reverse engineer as a physician, somebody into health from all these myriads of parts on the ground, wouldn't it make more sense to go to the source and figure out how it works there, measure precisely, find out where the asymmetries are, and then intervene on that level. And that's a whole different discussion. A whole different discussion, which... I'd love to get into one day. Okay, fascinating. That that makes so much sense. Love it. Okay, I want to go back one more. Okay, before I ask you my last question, I have one more thing that I just want to ask because it, it's it's with this whole idea of germ theory and viruses and contagion and blah blah blah. Like I read, I actually got Dr. Cow Tom Cowan's book. Somehow I got it from Amazon even after they banned it because I'd already ordered it. Thank goodness. So. So we've got Dr. Tom Cowan, who you guys interviewed on your AlphaCast podcast last week. And he talks about the exosomes. And then there's Dr. Zach Bush, who says that there's a gazillion viruses everywhere, the more viruses than stars, and it's just part of our genetic upgrade. And then there's people that say there's no viruses at all. And then there's virologists who dedicate their life to studying viruses. It's like, these are all very different ideas around one thing. And it's like, they don't seem to, they don't seem to correlate. So which is it? What, like what are the virologists right? studying, first of all? Like if they're dedicating their life to viruses and, and this gain of function, you know, making viral warfare, and then there's some say they don't exist. And I, I, like, what is what? What is it? Well, a couple comments. Um, when you're in medical school, and if you do specialize in virology, you are going to stick with that narrative. And you are going to take as prima facie evidence 
uh, you know, RNA, DNA from uh, what they consider viruses as proof of things. And then you are only allowed to practice and research within that box. If you start using their facilities and technologies to start exploring into some of these other areas that I'm alluding to, your career is done or you're going to, you know, your funding is going to stop and, you know, that's it. So that's, you know, definitely an incentive to stay within your lane. Uh, the other thing that we need to appreciate is uh, certain virologists, there's a number of them, most notably Stefan Lanka uh, from Germany, who is a virologist, uh, a brilliant virologist, and he doesn't believe that viruses exist in the way right. our medical establishment believe. He also, you've probably heard, took it to court and won in court because it all surrounded the measles and, uh, and it gets a little complicated. But the uh, point of the story is he presented evidence to a legal court proceeding uh, showing that there was really no indication that viruses or measles in this case existed and um, they won in his favor. That was a non-medical establishment assessment of evidence. That's all it was. So there's, there's a lot of confusion for sure. There are reasons why people follow certain paths and certain courageous uh, souls kind of deviate and say, no, that's not true and actually prove it in other ways. And um, there's another thing that we have to consider, which is very unfortunate. There is laboratory manufacturing of organisms that's absolutely going on and unless somebody is there and in on it you really can't accurately say i can't for sure say what they're doing there now i get a lot of uh anecdotal things through my circles mm -hmm. um that that you know indicate that they're doing some real frankenstein kind of things and it is true that you can take host cells and take all sorts of other elements, including RNA, DNA from different species and concoct things and then put them into people's bodies that can create problems, big problems. Now, as far as my awareness, that can only happen if it's injected into the body. So let's just say we have a virus, whether it's, you know, first off, um, a virus is dead. It's not alive. Right. It, it can't really do anything on its own. It can't be trans transmitted. And let's just say you have a virus on a doorknob and you pick it up and it, you know, crawls up into your nostrils or whatever the, the thing is. Um, your, your body's um, defenses would eliminate it immediately the gastric juices of the stomach, uh, you know, different mechanisms in the respiratory system. There's no way those protein structures could survive. It just couldn't. So I don't know of any other way than injecting manufactured or otherwise to create a contagious sort of effect. So that might bring into why we would reconsider vaccines it might make us ponder why they introduce 
uh, certain uh, microbe elements into insects, ticks, mosquitoes. They all have the commonality of having the ability to inject things in one's bloodstream. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a little speculation, but for sure, I know that that's going on. Right. Uh, and I don't think they have altruistic motives. I just, the evidence be, doesn't seem to suggest that. It'd be hard to, to come to that conclusion. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so last thing. Well, I could ask, I actually, it's not the last thing, but last thing for now. Uh, so what would be your top tips? So we talked about the mind, we talked about the thoughts and the emotions, everything like that. But what are your top tips for the individual, the average individual to take that they could do to cultivate a healthy terrain? What does that look mm -hmm. like? And it like, not everything, just basic, basic tips for the average person. The best things are free. And again, it first starts with thinking double plus happy thoughts, <laughs> okay? Uh, after that, just a good diet, you know, of natural foodstuffs. Um, dietary trends kind of drive me crazy because I've seen everyone come and go for many years and they just don't work across the board. So what I would advise people to do is just eat food, like real food. Um, if your body is, uh, you know, used to accommodating flesh foods or animal products, um, then just, you know, have good, healthy sources for those. And, you know, maybe uh, think about adding a little bit more plant-based to it, you know, be more omnivorous. That would be a little easier on your system, I think. If somebody is maybe uh, embarking on going more vegetarian, then allow yourself to take baby steps. So you have the ability to develop the necessary enzyme systems and emotional makeup and everything to get what you need out of that so that you'll thrive no matter what you're eating. But number one, just eat food, uh, good, clean water. Water is so important mm -hmm. and water, even going through filter systems, you know, from the municipal system, um, you know, this gets more into the electromagnetics, but all that water is, a lot of it is recycled through people's bodies. It picks up the imprints of a lot of toxic things, pharmaceuticals, emotions, and, and unless you change the angulations of the bonds of that water, which water purification doesn't do, you're actually getting homeopathic dosages of all those things. So if you can find a source of good spring water uh, that, uh, you know, comes uh, not shipped in plastic or something, or if you better yet have a natural spring nearby, we have one squirting out of the side of the hill on our property over here. Oh, nice. uh, you know, that's the best thing. But yeah. water is, is so critical. And you don't have to overdo it. You don't have to drink six gallons a day. You know, just keep yourself hydrated. Because one thing that people have to understand is that all these um, EMF frequencies from Wi-Fi and 5G that you know they're unleashing those in in the form of in the field of waveform uh, uh, mechanics. Uh, those are vertical um, carrier waves that are very penetrating, and what they do in the process. In fact, it's how they used to mummify bodies in Egypt is with these kinds of vertical. Uh, penetrating carrier waves and it would actually mummify and we could tell you some interesting stories where wow. 
of things that happen in our you know research working with those waves. Um, so, but the point is, is those waves will have a very we're, they're permeating our entire existence these days, and they have a very dehydrating effect on our body. So also have a good source of sodium, not you know the stuff you buy in the grocery store, but Celtic sea salt, Himalayan salt. Uh, you know, it's those are not only high in minerals, and uh, that would be my next re recommendation after water is mineralization. Uh, but you know, just get good water, good minerals. And, uh, you know, my favorite source of minerals is uh, fulvic and humic uh, source, you know, which is like shilajit, uh, purified shilajit that oozes out of rocks and things from plant matter that's been digesting forever. It goes right to your bloodstream. Uh, it makes our plants happy out in our farm. Mm -hmm. It really works. So minerals are very important. Those are the elements that conduct electricity in our body. Uh, make all of our, uh, you know, biochemical functions operate. And um, they also, uh, if they're short in supply, then those uh, other more heavy metals and other toxins will start uh, uh, clogging up the neurological terminal dendrites uh, you know, in their place. So mineralization is also a very good way to make sure your body stays clean. And uh, another thing that's great, and, you know, we're talking about what to do if you have the flu or something. Well, the first thing is um, stop eating, you know, maybe mm. have miso soup and fluids and, you know, take the digestive effort away. You know, when an animal gets sick, the first thing it does, it stops eating. It won't eat until it's better. Now, if you're healthy and you're not just trying to, you know, get better from something, uh, a, a great thing is just take a little vacation from food every once in a while. Take one day a week, three days a month, you know, 10 days every calendar quarter. Uh, you know, that sounds radical for most people that couldn't imagine missing lunch. But once you get the hang of it, it's not that big of a thing. And you actually end up feeling uh, really super in other ways. Mm -hmm. We're not saying starve yourself, but give your body a break. We eat too much. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you need more than one meal a day. Wow. Okay. And are you a fan of supplementation? Uh, I do supplements uh, and mostly minerals. Mostly and, uh, you know, from humic fulvic sources. I think a lot of the supplements, because I've been in that industry for a long time, are questionable. So, uh, you know, like with our product line, we do mostly everything from um, botanical sources, right. because like minerals derived from fulvic sources, they're more bioavailable, predigested, and also they carry with them the resonance from nature and not just manufactured and extrapolated, you know, through many processes to derive, you know, a certain vitamin or standardized and isolated ingredient, because we're convinced that's what makes ginseng root work or something. Right, right. So you do have but a line on your site. Pardon? Sorry. Uh, uh, no, you go. I was just gonna say, well, you do have a line on your site of whole food, like I was looking at your vitamin C, and it's from 
I think acerola and other like vitamin C rich foods. So you're getting not just that isolated vitamin, but you're getting all the complement of what would be in that food to make that a lot more bioavailable and effective without having maybe as high of a amount of that isolated vitamin C compound. Exactly. I do a few little alchemical tricks with those products too, to uh, mm. tweak them to be more effective. But the whole, um, the whole thing is never do things in isolation, maintain nature's original patterns. And if you do supplement, the only reason, you know, why we have the supplements in the first place is number one, to showcase our science that we're trying to teach, because there seems to be a little gap in the, in the alternative health community with a lot of certain concepts. And so our, our products kind of embody that, but then also even when you're shopping at health food stores these days, you know, they have about a third of the available nutrition that they should have. They're cleaner because maybe they aren't, you know, inundated with pesticides and things, mm -hmm. but they're not nutrient dense. Right. So the way we farm uh, by paying more attention to the electrical vectors in the soil that then makes the micronage in the soil uh, you know, makes it so that the rootlets and the, the soil is compatible, then with very little organic fertilizer input, you have very nutrient dense food. And you could eat organic food. And if it isn't nutrient dense, like something you might buy from say, oh, Whole Foods or something, because it's just all mass produced, even though it has an organic sticker, yeah. it can actually be toxic. Mm in a whole different way that goes beyond just pesticides. Well, if it's not nutrient dense, then it does not have all the enzymes and factors that you need in it to digest it in the first place. <laughs> and there, then you will have undigested food particles and other elements in the body that start um, interfering with uh, gut health, which is a trendy thing these days. Uh, you know, certain organisms will have to get in the act to, you know, to help get rid of it. And then they can start embedding themselves into the mucosa of the uh, intestinal lining, which is very, very thin. And then that can start creating what we call leaky gut syndrome and all these things. So, but if you understand the roots of them, you know, you don't have to just start taking tons of glutamine to repair your gut and all these other supplements, just understand how you got there and you can reverse it in a matter of time. So, yeah, to answer your question, good, wholesome food. And some of the products we have that are, you know, not just mineral based, they're more macro nutrients, just good sources of, um, you know, whole foods in their whole form for people that are on the go and, and maybe don't have access to a health food store. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Amazing. And I think paying attention to nature, that's one of the big things that I like, I see clients through nutrition and one of the big things is pay attention. What is nature offering right now? Is it cold? Is it warm outside? Are there long days? Are there short days? What kind of food is in your environment? You know, what are the farmers harvesting right now? And we kind of have disconnected from the rhythms, the rhythms, yeah. the monthly rhythms, the daily rhythms, the yearly yeah. rhythms. Yeah. So eat local, get out in nature, get a lot of fresh air and yes. exercise. Exercise Ooh. is the best thing you can do. Right. And you don't have to be a, a CrossFit star or anything like that. Just get out and walk, stretch. I'm a, a big believer in flexibility, exercising. 
And, uh, you know, if you're so inclined to do something a little bit more intense, you, you know, that can be fun too. just let your body work up to it. So all those things, most of them are all free and they're right yeah. under our nose. And most people would heal their bodies on their own without seeing a doctor. I personally don't believe in doctors. I just don't. Yeah, my do I have an 11 year old son and my family doctor doesn't even know I had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> So I haven't been there for a while. Okay. Well, so how can people find you? You have your alphavedic.com website. Yes. Yeah. And you have your AlphaCast podcast. And I know I'm a part of your community on Telegram, which is huge. I can't even keep up on Telegram, but there's a great community of like-minded people mm -hmm. having conversations on there. So uh, how else can they find you and how can people support you? You probably know more about that than I do. You know, our partner, Mike, uh, takes care of all the tech stuff. I, you know, he downloaded, uh, you know, the all the stuff on my computer so I can make a cameo on Telegram every once in a while. And and then I know uh, we repost our AlphaCast on YouTube. That's, I think, our smaller audience. Most people, uh, you know, are getting it through other avenues or just downloading the audio. But uh, I, I fully expect to be censored from YouTube any day. Because uh, we, <laughs> yeah, probably we're, we're actually newbies uh, ourselves in this, you know, whole podcasting thing. And I was uh, very sheepish about doing it in the first place, but I was convinced to do it. So, yeah, I, the only thing I say, you go to our website, maybe AlphaCast, uh, you know, is the other one, and uh, Telegram. We've got a great community there, actually. So, really yeah, good. those are good ways. They have the yeah, Instagram and one day, and one day, I would love to talk to you again because you. I know you even get into trivium and quadrivium and I, my son is unschooled at home and I've looked into and dabbled into trivium and quadrivium. There's so many things. So if you want to learn about these things, for those of you who are listening, go on to Telegram. If you don't have Telegram, download Telegram. It's a great app that where a lot of people are going to because of the censorship. Um, and uh, look up Alphavedic, the Alphavedic community, lots of great resources there. And I follow your podcast on Podbean is the app that I use. So that's how I follow. Okay. So I can listen to you as I drive around and on Podbean. So just a great way. And I'm very glad that you were talked into creating this podcast because you have amazing people coming together. And I, I keep saying there are some silver linings coming out of the insanity of the world and all these amazing people who might not have known each other otherwise, right? Like you've had so yeah. many fantastic brilliant minds and together we can unify and become stronger and really get to truth and empowerment rather than this control situation that we're living under right now so and the power has always been in our hands always yeah. so uh you know my message to everybody is uh don't give up hope don't buy the narrative turn off your television and um we can create the world that we want anytime we care to Agreed. Yes, every simple. anytime we care to, that's a really key point. There is yeah. need to care to. So okay, hold the line. I'm going to say thank you very much for ha for being with me. This has been an enlightening and amazing information, and so much. I know it's a lot. Of, this these are the kinds of conversations that you can listen to again and again, because there's so many radical points compared to what we're getting from the mainstream. So I really appreciate your time, you guys. Follow Dr. Bear Lando, go to alphavedic.com, check out their products, check out what they're doing. This is for the, like, if we all did this, if we all started our own little farms just in our little backyards, you know, in our own little gardens and grew from there, 
what a different place that we could be in right now. So thank you, Dr. Bear. I really appreciate your time. Thank you.